This is Corolla Digital. Hey, you guys, it's me, Allison. I just want to say thank you so much for listening. If you like what you're hearing, which, let's face it, you do, tell a friend. You can listen to us all sorts of places. A couple of them would be iTunes or AllisonRosen.com. Allison Rosen, Allison Rosen is your new best friend. Allison, Allison. Hey everyone, hi, hello, it is me, Allison Rosen, and I am sitting here with Art Alexakis of Everclear. Hello, and welcome to my show. Hello, and thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for being on my show. I feel like we bonded a little bit on the Adam Carolla a show. Bit, a little bit. Yeah. Because I was saying that my hunch, or my hope, is that childbirth is just like really intense cramps or something. And then mm, you said, from your dreaming. experience, yeah, being in the room, it's not at all like that. And then well, I thought, let's get to the bottom of that. Well, let's well let's see. You know, I mean, I you're you're gonna have a you want to have a baby. I want to have. Yeah, I'm not pregnant. It's gonna take a whole. It's gonna take a lot of work to get me pregnant. I think I'm one of those. <laughs> we have to really? call in a couple, team of people. A couple <laughs> drinks and maybe a, a, a chick flick won't do it. I wish it was that simple. <laughs> no, wow. I, I I have um. Well, we found out that I have fibroids, oh, which are yeah, preventing no. it. So they have to do. It's not. It's it's pretty minimal, is my understanding. So uh-huh. They have to do a procedure, and then we try naturally. That's when the drinks and the chick flicks come in. Nice. And well, then if that doesn't work, then they just stuff a baby inside me. Oh well, you know, whatever it takes. Yeah. Have a baby. Your <laughs> husband happy to have a baby is. Yes, he a he willing wants. participant? Yes, yeah. Nice. That's he cool. says he is, at least. Well, he's in, man. You know, at the end of the day, you just, you want his money and his sperm. <laughs> I mean, That's that, right. I mean, come on, you know, I, I, I get it. I get it. I, I'm sure my wife will hear that and go, that's horrible. And then she'll be, eh, not really. It's not <laughs> Were you, well, you have two kids? I have two. I have a 22-year-old, just graduated college and uh, going to grad school, I think law school. And, oh, congrats. Um, and uh, thank you. And I got a almost seven-year-old starting first grade. Two girl, girls. Now, were you a willing participant? Oh, absolutely. I wanted babies. I had to convince them to have babies. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. They were hesitant? Well, the first one, no. The first one, we were like young and in love. And it's just like she couldn't get – she's like in the middle of sex and – I want to. I love you so much. I want to take my diaphragm out and get pregnant. And I never want to be. I'd been married before her when we were dating, and and I, the the we were dating at the time. But before her, before I met her, I'd been married. Never wanted children. Came from a bad, bad situation. I just saw my mom just go through hell with all the stupid kids, and just <laughs> no way, don't want it. And then, you know, you meet someone, and it's just like. The, the clock starts ticking, I think, in both women and men. I mean, everybody thinks it's just women, but I love being a dad. I love it. If I wasn't so old, I'd probably have another child. You know, I'm, I'm 137 years old. I'm 555 years old. Wow, we both like, look good for our look, ages. We look great. So um, you're a vampire. You eat people. That's right. That's how I stay <laughs> so young, but not that young. Nice. Um, I'm stuck on the fact that your story involved a diaphragm. <laughs> Which to me is just something is- that I've read about in books. I don't even think I've ever seen one. Do How you, old you, are you? I'm 39. Okay, well, yeah, come on. You didn't. They didn't have diaphragms. And- I mean, they probably did, but I don't. 
I don't know of anyone. I feel like it's my mom's generation that had them. I don't know of anyone who actually had one. Well, this is 1991. So, yeah. No, but I mean, I I I think that was my last experience with it um as as far as that goes, but a lot of people did it because a lot of women, you know, didn't want to take the pill and didn't want to use condoms, and so that was the deal. Now it's, you know, it, I I don't know. To be honest with you, I I haven't gotten anybody pregnant that I didn't want to get pregnant that I know of. <laughs> but there's rumors out there from this is way back in the day before the ban and everything. Really? Yeah. Do you believe them? I don't know. Sure. Why not? I was drunk. I was a drunk. Who the hell knows? I mean, I was on drugs and drinking. And if someone showed up and they looked like me or even said they were my child, that we'd go get a blood test if he was or she was, then we'd act accordingly. I'm, I'm big on family. I think family is very important. So you got, did you get sober before you started the band? Everglare? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I got, I got sober. Well, I got clean off of dope. I had really bad experience. I got clean off of dope uh, in 84. So I was 22 going on 23, and I got sober, like everything, stopped drinking and um, in 89, June 14th, 89. That's my birthday. So I, just, I hit 25 years. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, I, what were those five years like when you weren't doing dope, but you still were using other stuff? Well, that's the thing. I didn't drink for – no, I wasn't doing anything oh. but drinking. And because my – Knucklehead of a therapist at the time um, goes, well, you, you you got problems with like heroin and cocaine. You don't have a problem with alcohol, do you? And I'm like, no. <laughs> and I really didn't. I mean, I got drunk, but it wasn't like I wasn't like that. Just I can say bad words, right? Oh yeah. I wasn't like a shit face drunk. Um, I became. I started. I I started becoming an ugly drunk. And there's nothing worse to me than an ugly drunk. Just a angry, you know, I drink and instead of it making me happy, it makes me angry. Mm-hmm. Who, the, who the fuck needs that? That's horrible. And I caught myself and uh, just, I went to a meeting and just said, I'm, I'm a drunk. I'm an addict and a drink, you know, alcoholic. And being able to say that was like really lifting a... Um, a huge weight off my shoulders. It didn't say it. that doesn't make it that it was easy to to be sober because you know old habits die hard. But after after about a year or two, I got into the swing of it, and I've always been that kind of guy. Once I realize what I want and what the way things should be and how I should be acting, I I kind of draw a line in front of me and uh, I don't cross it. So it seems to me that people that want to use substances and and I've had my my share of uh ex- experiences with all that and I don't drink either um it, it's a it's so much about just not wanting to feel the feelings the feelings of what oh you mean using the drugs to uh, avoid the, feeling as a feelings. filter yeah. yeah so now to now self-medicate. right so being sober do you find that you still try to find ways to run away from your feelings of course i mean i did it for years i mean uh, sex was a big one, you know. I, I've been married four times. It's not an accident. It's because I wasn't a very good husband, um, and my wives necessarily weren't great. Um, but 
I think at the end of the day, I, I got to own my shit. I can't, I can't blame them because even if they were perfect, it still was going to go down because of me. That's the way I look at it. And, um, I'm not like that anymore. I don't act like that. I have those feelings. I have those desires. I have those things, you know, I was in here. I remember being in here with, uh, Adam and Drew and, uh, they're like, oh, you're still, you know, Adam's like, you're still fucking around, blah, blah, blah. I, I don't. I don't even look at girls anymore. Ah, low testosterone. I don't have lots of low <laughs> testosterone. I just don't go there. If I see a hot chick look at me, I smile at her and I go the other way. Because it's just like, why? If I walk into a room and someone's shooting cocaine or snorting coke, am I going to sit down in the corner and read a magazine? I'm going to go away. I don't go to places like that because it's just a bad place to be for me. It's just I can't. You're talking about experimentation. I think experimentation is fine. But when you start turning it into a lifestyle, that's a problem. Mm -hmm. That's my problem. I can't just like dabble. I can't have a beer. I'm that guy that if, if you don't finish your beer, I give you like I, I glare at you. And I'm like, the fuck's the matter with you? Finish your beer. That's a beer. Finish that beer. And most people think, God, he's crazy. That's me. So. I'm crazy. <laughs> so you're crazy. <laughs> I'm crazy. I was, I was going to say compulsive, uh, no, but I ask crazy. any of my ex-wives, they'll tell you. Even my current wife will tell you I'm pretty crazy. How'd you meet your current wife? Um, where I'm an alpha. At a show, of course. Duh. <laughs> I mean, you know. I, <clears throat> she was a fan. And she was living with the guy, but. They had a weird relationship, and he allowed her to, like, go out with other people for for a physical thing. So she had a guy she lived with that she loved and a guy she was dating that was a Abercrombie and Fitch model, you know. And So he was gay? Uh, yeah, pretty much. I think so, <laughs> actually. <laughs> to be honest with you, oh, we, we could talk about it later, okay. but yeah. Yeah, uh, he did interesting things for <laughs> for a living, even though he didn't tell her that. Mm -hmm. But she insisted on not going with any of them. She wanted to go to the show and just enjoy the music. She's that kind of person. She's got like a 160 IQ, she, and she looks like Skipper, who's Barbie's little sister. It's kind of hot. Wow. Yeah. Even even more young and innocent looking than Barbie? Um. Yes. A little bit more girl next door-ish. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm big on the girls next door. Right, because Barbie's more of a sex bomb. So. Bar Barbie's had work. A lot oh, of work. She's more natural. No, yeah, no, she's, no, I'm just, I mean, she's just short. Okay. That's pretty much <laughs> gotcha. it. She, she's very Barbie-esque, but she's very smart and she's funny. I was married to a girl that never made me laugh. She's beautiful, um, but she never made me laugh. And uh, that just doesn't last very long. That lasts for about, you know, you know, when you date someone and you're hot and heavy and everything's great. And then about three months later, you're like, whoa, <laughs> really? Yeah. When yeah. that, when that goes away and that's the only thing that was holding you there, that's a, it's not a good. tough awakening. Yeah, it is. It is. And as you get older, you can realize that, you know, I mean, um, you're 39, you're, you know, you're, you're knocking on 40s door. You look great. Don't look at me like don't. don't I don't think of it that way. Why? Forty is awesome. Like I'm just just a tiny bit past thirty. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, my, I mean, I my haven't had my half birthday yet. So. Your half birthday, really? You still do that? <laughs> my six-year-old does that. Yeah, I'm a thirty-nine-year-old who does girls that. Girls do that. Don't. That's a girl. <laughs> well, thing. because I'm still on, 
Oh my God, I still, I'm still on this side of 39. I'm closer uh, to 39 than to 40. Just so you know, I'm my closer wife, to 40 than to 30. Closer okay. to 50 than to 11. Go ahead. You know that doesn't sound that great. I know it sounds awful. Yeah, I'm okay. hearing myself say it. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> I'm just going to go right by it. Please. My wife is 31, going on 32. She's going to be 32 in about three weeks. But if I say she's 32, I get the look. Yeah, don't round up. I get the look that means you're not going to have sex tonight. That's what's, <laughs> and I hate that look. I'll do anything. She knows that I'm simple. Men are simple. Men are simple. Fetus. Sleep with us as much as possible. Be nice to us. Mm-hmm. Laugh at our jokes. What do you want? Here, here's my wallet. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, to my wife, of course. So, how old are you? I'm uh, 52. Yeah, she's she's 32. Yeah, that's All, quite an so age I, difference. She's almost 32. <laughs> right. Honey. Yeah. Uh, is this the first time you've been been married to someone who's that much younger than you? No. Well, that much younger. Yeah. The the wife before was 16 and a half years. And I swore off young women. I really did. I mean, when we got divorced, I dated women who were like at least 10 or 15 years older than that, younger than me. I mean, come on. I'm kind of mentally retarded. <laughs> uh, but I need I need someone a little bit smarter than me. And um, Plus, I'm pathetically sad. I've never been with anyone over 35. But you're proud of that, though, aren't you? I kind of am. And most tell. men are. As Most they men, would be, yeah. mo- huh? I, I guess I could see why they would be. But this, this is this is going to be different, and I, I say that unequivocally. It's going to be different. I'm, I, I mean, I don't want anything else. This is just perfect. This is awesome. Did it? I give- love my wife, and I love my family. I love where it's at, and I'm old enough, and I've been through enough shit to be able to look at it and go, man, it ain't getting better than this. And I think I think Americans suffer from. You know, the grass is greener syndrome, really bad. And I think we're taught that. I The whole bullshit about fairy tales and everything. Yeah. I think you're at Disney, you know. And just everything online creates this sense of immediacy. And I feel like people who do online dating, I don't know if you have friends. I don't know if you did, did I that never at all. Did, I never did it. To. I never did it. What do you mean I don't need to? <laughs> <laughs> Well, you, you can just go to a show and meet a ton of people. Well... Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit different, but you know, I mean, and I was just going to say what I was going to segue, and this segues into it, is that, uh, could you imagine dating again? I don't ever want to fucking date again. Oh, no, I don't want to. Horrible. Yeah, it was awful. Just, it looks horrible. And to be honest with you, you know in LA, women outnumber the men. So, men are sleeping with women way out of their league. For, for like, I see guys driving shitty cars, and aren't that good looking, and they got pretty hot women with them and i'm like how did that happen yeah it's because and i've had women tell me it's because it's scarce pickings out there Mm -hmm. that's horrible but i i just no i don't ever want to go through that again i just i'm i'm very happy and when i get flirted with i feel very like thank you very much (laughs) that's kind of like god bless you nope did it give your wife pause at all that you had been married three times before absolutely when she met me i was 20 years older than her. She was 22. I was 42. And <clears throat> I'm sure my mother loved me. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure her mother didn't, actually. But now we love each other. She's great. I love, I, actually, she's with us right now. She's staying with us right now. I love my mother in law. How many people say that? Not um, that many. Not That's that good. many. But she, uh, yeah, I was, I was about 35 pounds underweight 
I'm about 10 pounds overweight right now, which is fine. I don't care. But I was 35 pounds underweight. I looked like Skeletor with bleach blonde hair. And I was smoking like six to eight cigars a day and pretty broken, emotionally broken. And I look at pictures and we look at pictures of when we first met and I'm like, what the hell were you thinking? I look horrible. She's like, I know you, you've got game, man. You've got serious game. Like, <laughs> I go, okay. What, what was making you broken at the time? I was getting over a, a, a divorce and, the, and it wasn't really the divorce. I caused the divorce, but there was other things going on. I found out that she had been having affairs with a friend of mine, but a guy I thought was a friend of mine. Now they're married and have two kids and it's great. I'm, I'm great. They're great. Everything's great. Do you actually feel okay about that? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I, I feel like I dodged a bullet. Yeah. I, big time. I, if, if I ever talk to her again, which I don't know that I will, but if I ever do, I, the first thing I'd say to her is thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you for being strong enough to have the balls to get out when you should have. Or maybe later. And what know? about him? Him? Eh, whatever. That's his deal. Yeah. Yeah. You know, people are going to betray you if you give them the chance. But at the, at the same time, who cares? I love my life. I don't want. I don't want that life. I was. It's really funny, and I've told this to people, and I've heard this from other people who've gone from having nothing in life and then making a lot of money and being really successful at your dream, like doing your dream, and. When I was at my peak of it, I was my most miserable, most miserable. Couldn't trust anybody, couldn't trust myself, um, was just lying constantly, um, just not there, you know. And, and it's something I also learned, too, without getting too preachy, is just I learned that I always thought I was a great dad, horrible husband. I had no illusions about it. I knew that I wasn't a good husband. But I learned that you cannot be a great dad if you're a horrible husband because you're putting your, your, your daughter's or your son, you're putting your child's happiness at risk. You don't like where you are, be a man and get out of it. Do it the right way. And it took me a long time to learn that. I know it sounds sad and pathetic, but it really did. Well, it's good you learned it, though. Finally. Some guys never do. Some yeah. people never do. Some, not just guys. True. Some people don't seem to be able to change. They never, well, it's hard to change. It's hard to change. And there's an argument that you never really change, but I think you can definitely change your behavior. So you said when you were at the height of your success, you were the most miserable. Yeah. Like when, when was that? I'd say late 90s, early 2000s. And why were you most miserable then? Because I just, I wasn't happy. I wasn't happy in my relationship. I wasn't happy with... The people in my band, I wasn't happy. I didn't feel safe. I I was very creative and making a lot of great music and being very successful. But, you know, it never looks the way you think it's going to look. What was it like? Um, I don't know. I mean, I had a great time. I don't want you to think that I didn't have fun. I did have fun. I slept with hundreds of women. <laughs> and uh, I did things that most guys are like, really? You're complaining about that? But on the surface, it was it, there was aspects that were great. But really, what I really always ever wanted, I grew up in a housing project. So I've always wanted the white picket fence. Family, nice neighborhood. I've never wanted to be really rich. It's not something to me. I mean, having money is better than not having money. Mm. Definitely. Being able to take care of my family, um, you know, it's good. 
But at the same time, there's a mindset behind being really, really rich that you have to just, I don't know. The Most of the people I've met that are really, really rich, that's all they think about. My husband and I, we, there's this neighborhood we walk through where it's just all these <clears throat> huge mansions. And just right. recently we were, we were talking and I was saying, because we always, this is our, our conversation is always, let's move into that one. Let's move into that, like joking, you know, because we are so far away from being in any position to move into any of these houses. But I was saying, I just don't think the people that live in these houses are happy. I just can't imagine a happy, content person lives in a mansion like that. And I don't know why, but well, that's just been my experience of people in mansions. Well, it makes you feel better, too, doesn't it? <laughs> a little bit? Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> well, just so you know, the, like, did you, have you ever heard our song? It's called I Will Buy You a New Life. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that song is about, like, when my eldest daughter was about, i say about a year and a half. We used to go, we lived in, like, a crappy part of Portland. Um, they called it felony flats. And we would drive by my daughter, a happy meal, which of course I wouldn't, the, the daughter now never gets McDonald's. We programmed her to hate McDonald's. No offense. McDonald's just is what it is. But I'm sure they're listening. Huh? I'm sure they're listening. Oh, I'm sure they're <laughs> listening. You're, you're going to get the corporate smackdown. Um, but we would like drive up in my beat ass car to the nice neighborhood and sit there and park and point out, I like that house, but I like that over there. No, you like that. Okay. What if we live? Okay. We'll get that house and then we'll, we'll, we'll like live in it for five years. And we'll sit. And we'd like fantasize about the West Hills. That, that was like the cool, rich part of Portland. There was other parts, but they weren't cool. These were old, beautiful, stately houses. And after having a platinum record, I bought one of those houses and, put a lot of money into it and turned it into exactly what we thought we wanted. But we ended up getting divorced and she didn't want to live up there. She thought she did her whole life because she grew up in a poor part of Portland. But looking into those, being on the outside looking in is much different than being on the inside looking out. It's a totally different view. Figuratively and literally. What then, if it's not all these trappings of excess what is it that you think makes someone happy or what is it that makes you happy oh what makes me happy Both. um okay well i don't i can't speak for anyone else but i'll tell you what makes me happy and then we can go from there um i love being in a relationship with a woman that is my best friend is someone that challenges me even in ways I don't like sometimes, you know, that's marriage. And, and she, I find her extremely attractive and sexually, you know, adventurous. Not really. She's not really adventurous, but neither am I. I hear about all these crazy things. and I'm just like, God, I'm so boring. (laughs) You ever think that? I'm just like, God, I just like regular old sex. Mm Mm-hmm. Move around a couple different positions, call it a night. You come, I come, done. You know, that's that to me is pretty fun. Um, but no, I, you know, the things that make me feel feel good is the fact that I think I've grown up a lot and I, I still feel like a kid, but 
But at the same time, I take care of my responsibilities. That was instilled into me very young by my mom. So I don't think that's ever going to go away. So when I do do that, when I do provide well for my family, it makes me feel good. I mean, there's different things that make me happy. I'd love to smoke a cigar. I can't smoke cigars like I want to because I'm addicted. Mm -hmm. I'm an addict. But, you know. Um, I think there's a moderate place, and that's something I'd like to find. But there's little simple things, simple pleasures in life. I think the main thing that makes me happy is being a part of a family. I know that sounds lame. No, it doesn't. But you want to have a child you want or children. You want to have a family, right? Mm-hmm. That's a wonderful feeling. It really is. With a man that you love or, or a woman that you love, depending on who you are, man or woman, doesn't matter, and having... That feeling of family, like you're not alone, like you're a team in this world, because it's a hard world, man. It is. But it it can be pretty awesome, too. So did you ever feel like you had a family growing up? Did you ever have that feeling of family? In hindsight, not in reality. No, because everyone was yelling and fighting, and my brother died of an overdose when I was 12. I got abused when I was 8. And my sisters were all fucked up in their own way. And my mom was just broken. My dad left. And, you know, we ended up in a project. He wouldn't pay child support and, you know, raise somebody else's kids. And, you know, it's just doesn't look good on paper. No. And it it wasn't really good on on in reality either. But to be honest with you, in, in the real world, I was loved by my mother enormously she loved me from the moment that I was born to the minute she died like unconditionally she was she was wonderful but she was crazy as hell what kind of crazy um neurotic she's a she she grew up in the deep south during the depression you know um she just wasn't very friendly didn't have friends growing up so you know, she was just not the most, she wasn't fake at all, which is a good thing. She was tenacious as hell, never gave up when she wanted something. She didn't set her sights too high in life and kind of wasn't too happy about me setting my sights in, in life very high because she thought they'd get dashed because she did have dreams when she was younger and her her dad dashed them. She got a, she was an, she was an actress in high school and and supposedly really good and got offered a a uh, um, a free ride to the Pasadena Playhouse, which back then was a big deal. We're talking the 40s. Mm-hmm. And her dad wouldn't let her go. Aww. And it just kind of crushed her. And um, so when I started playing guitar, she was kind of into it, but not really. And then I got successful and she was like, wow, this is awesome. <laughs> you know, and, So and she I, came around. Well, well, of course she came around. I mean, come on. It was, I supported her. I started taking care of her. Yeah. And, and she liked that. And that's proper. I have no problem with that. If you can, that's, a lot of cultures do that. This, this culture in America, we don't do that like, like Asian cultures and even uh, Pan-African culture and, and, and even some Eastern European and European cultures. In America, we don't do that like we should. I think we should take care of our elders and treat them with respect. And I say that because I'm close to being an elder. 
Right, you have a vested interest. 65 is just a hop, skip, and a jump it away. Um, so you, you experienced so much loss and turmoil in your childhood. At the time, if you remember, <coughs> like, were you a sad kid or were you yeah. angry? or Both. All the time. Sad and angry. Yeah. Did you realize your childhood was far from idyllic at the time? Because I feel like kids have a tendency to normalize things. We do. We we absolutely do. Moving to the project, I had fun there. But at the same time, you know, I got into a lot of fights. I got beat up a lot. I was a white kid in a black Mexican neighborhood, mostly black at the time. And I got beat up and teased and picked on. And then I learned how to fight back and they left me alone. And I, I you know, I made friends. Boys are different than girls. <laughs> My own daughter told me this when she was 10. She was like, Daddy, boys can get into a fight and then be best friends that same day. But if you look at a girl wrong, she'll hate you forever. <laughs> and my wife and her sister at the time were like, yeah, pretty much. Girls in high school, I still hate. And I'm like, you're 30. Why do you hate anybody? Really? From from junior high school? Guys are just like, ah, whatever. You know, it hurts for a while. You get into a fight and your feelings are hurt for a while and then you let it go. How'd you learn to fight? Baptism by fire. (laughs) Thrown into the deep end. Just, I remember one day coming out of school and all these kids were like taking my lunch money and beating me up and making me cry and teasing me and uh, just, I remember telling my mom about it and, or not telling my mom about it. Other friends were telling my mom about it. My brother just cornered me. This is when he was like, I guess if I was eight, he was like 17, going on 18. And he was, he just poked me in the chest and goes, I'm going to watch one of these days. You're not even going to know I'm there. And if I see you taking crap from those kids, I'm going to kick the shit out of you. And Wow. Oh, oh yeah. This is. Well, he meant it, and I know it doesn't make sense, but he meant it in a loving way. And I remember coming out of school and seeing all those kids, even to this day. And this was like 1970, right? 1971. And I looked across at at across the street in the parking lot of this um, supermarket. There's a lowrider parked there, and or two lowriders parked there. My my brother kind of hung out with the with the cholos and mm. with everybody, you know. He was a drug guy, and he hung out with everyone. And I saw him there, and he's like sitting on top with his girlfriend, just and he just points at me, and I'm just like, I am way more afraid of him than <laughs> I am of you guys. And I just closed my eyes and just started swinging. And next thing you know, I, the principal of the school has me up in the air, and all these kids are crying on the, you know, bleeding on the ground, like I beat up like eight kids. And I just, um, from that day, I haven't taken shit from anybody, really. Tried not to. But I try not to get into fights. When I was younger, I got in a lot of fights. Did you start the fights? No, not usually. No. I've only gotten my butt kicked really bad, maybe two or three times. And uh, No, I got jumped once when I was a teenager. So about four, maybe four or five times. But... The two, two, two of the times I started the fights and I was picking on this one kid because I'd taken his girlfriend away from him and I was being a dick. I was just being a dick. I, I had my, my moments. But good news is I got over doing that stuff like that as I got older. Some people never do. 
And so I'll take pride in that. But yeah, no, I I used to fight a lot. And when did you start playing music? When I was 14, I got a guitar. I, I wanted a guitar from an early age. Actually, I wanted to be a drummer. I wanted to be John Bonham <laughs> from Led Zeppelin. And, uh, but we lived in a housing project and my mom couldn't afford a, a drum set and had nowhere to put it. So, um, and I couldn't for guitar lessons I was that kid that like you know you, you asked me when I realized earlier you asked me when I realized that I was poor uh, I played little like all the kids in my school all lived in the project so you know none of us had dads around we're, most of the people were on, we were never on welfare but they were on welfare and <coughs> food stamps and stuff like that and it was not a big deal but I played little league and the kids from Little League lived in the neighborhoods, a couple of neighborhoods away from the projects in nice little houses. Now when you go by them, they look pretty dumpy, but at the <laughs> time they looked really fancy to us, you know. And I remember going home with the kid and having a play date and hanging out and playing and playing catch and running around. His mom gives me a snack and she's like, so, well, where do you where do you live? You live over there he had told her i lived in a different neighborhood and i go no i lived in the projects and next thing i know she goes in starts yelling at him he comes out and says i have to leave oh and um supposedly her his mom like washed his hair that night looking for lice i've never had lice in my life we never had a cockroach my mom kept that place crisp um but you know yeah that's when i realized when i was about 10 or 11 that People judge me not on my character or my heart or, or my actions, mm-hmm. which they should, but by stupid, superficial things sometimes. So it put a, another chip on my shoulder that I already had there. Yeah, I was going to say, it just seems like all of this, understandably, could lead to so much bitterness and anger, and particularly the amount of loss you experienced so young. Well, yeah, I'm, I've got rage issues to this day, that's for sure. But I deal with it. I, I deal with it in a different way. I, I don't. Um, I try not to be the guy that I was in my earlier marriages. I try not to let my anger control my life. I control my anger. And I think there's a lot of people like that. I think Adam's had issues with that as well. And, you know, he's got a pretty pretty interesting background as far as his growing up as yeah. well. Um it's it's funny. People think you grow up in L.A. and it's all sunshine and sunkiss commercials. It was rough, man. <laughs> it was rough, especially growing up close to an affluent neighborhood or going to school with kids from an affluent neighborhood. Uh, you're never accepted, ever. Right. And uh, people never forget where you came from. Now, to me, it's a badge of honor. I tell people I'm from the project. I'm proud of it. Oh, we So we had started talking about you started playing guitar at 14. Uh-huh. Uh, and then when did you realize that's what you wanted to do? When I was four. Wow. Yeah. My first letter to Santa when I was four, <coughs> excuse me, was, um, <clears throat> I asked Santa for an electric guitar, an organ and a drum set. <laughs> Even then I was a control freak. To do it <laughs> yeah. That was in, that was in spin magazine a few years ago. Well, 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. It, you know, I uh, I I remember seeing my, one of my earliest memories is 
the top of my voice in a in a thrifty thrifty mar- supermarket, you know, in the little seat in the cart, um, singing Beatles songs as loud as I could. So all I've ever wanted to do was play in a rock band. And then I got older, and my mom's like, "Okay, you gotta have something to fall back on. I want you to go to college, go to go to a private school. You can live with me, and I'll pay for your tuition." Which at you know Santa Monica College wasn't great, but you know she was she's like, "You don't work a part time job." You know that's when I got clean, and that's when I went through rehab and detox and stuff. And I went to college, and I wanted to instead of picking something smart. I majored in film. <laughs> but you did journalism for a time, right? I did. I did. But that, because I wanted to write. I just, people were so nasty. Music, people were just so nasty in journalism. I just didn't want to pick on people. And to be honest with you, there was an aspect of my ego that I didn't want to be the person writing about other people. I wanted to be the oh. person that people wrote about. Interesting. Were you? I didn't you, know that at the time. Were you doing it, music writing? Is that what you were writing about? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Writing about music. And to me, if I hear a record I don't like or I hear a song I don't like, I just don't talk about it. You know, I, I don't I don't feel the need to destroy somebody, um, even if I think they're just they're 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 horrible. I, you know, one, I don't think anyone's horrible. I just think, you know, it's not my thing. Something interesting to me is that you got involved in doing A&R and starting labels and things like that. Right. Um, how did all of that come about? All this sort of like, Just the extra pun- entrepreneurial stuff around playing. Well, you know where I learned how to be an entrepreneur and how I learned basic math? From dealing drugs. Yeah. That's where I got my business acumen, from dealing drugs. And it's not a bad place to learn it because you don't cheat people. Where you get hurt, so everyone I, should learn math that way. I well, I can do basic math really well. My my wife, like I said, is like a one sixty IQ. Uh, she came in second in the international science fair. I don't know if you know what that is, but it's a big deal. I'm ask not any, familiar. Wow. Ask any nerd. Okay, it's a big <laughs> deal. She proved through like a, a with a trash composter that there was life on Mars. Wow. Yeah. When she was 17. That's so cool. She got the key to Tucson when she was 17. Wow. And she got a free ride to college. And uh, Where'd she go to college? Well, she went to University of uh, Arizona, which was in Tucson. She got a, a ride to University of Michigan as well. Good and choice. That's, uh, did he you go to, to Michigan? No, I went to the University of Arizona. Are you a Wildcat? Yeah. Bear down. <laughs> yeah, she's a Wildcat. <laughs> um, yeah, she... Uh, she she's a wildcat, and uh, but to be honest with you, it wasn't a good choice for her because this is where she was. She should have went out and experienced stuff, but she had a stupid teenage high school boyfriend. They didn't want her to go to Michigan, and she should have went. She turned down like this thing at Brown University for a summer summer thing that could have really you know right. turned into a, a a free ride at a Ivy League school. But she didn't do that because her boyfriend didn't want her to. I know girls do stupid yeah. things like that all the time. Yeah. Yes, we do. I know. And as you get older, you're like, screw that. You know, if he really loves me, he can come he can come be with me. I didn't study abroad because I was dating this loser. Do you regret it? Um. Come on. Yes and no. I, 
I was a late bloomer and this was like my first sort of serious-ish relationship that really wasn't that serious. So I think that for my own development, I do think it was kind of important that I let that shitty relationship play out. Yeah. But I do feel like what what was going on with my decision making process. I mean, I don't I don't know that my life would be appreciably different had I studied abroad cuz I had, you know, I have been to Europe and stuff, but um yeah, I, I guess I do re- kind of regret it. See, the thing, I think that just, I, you know, and it's, I'm very pragmatic. I'm very punk rock. I'm very like, uh, I don't buy into a lot of hippy dippy type stuff. But I really believe that the relationship would have played out in a different way, but it would have played out. Either he would have came around and came with you, um, or you would have broke up, which was probably. A good right. thing, and you would have met some other asshole and <laughs> and, and developed oh, like that. I, yeah, for years I you did. But <laughs> more intelligent, and, right? And, and you know, or more educated, and probably yeah. more well off asshole. Better is, asshole. Yeah, better asshole. <laughs> An upgraded That's asshole. That's all we want is a better asshole. <laughs> That's right. Just keep trading up. <laughs> Forget the house. We want a better asshole. Um, so, but you were saying that you learned to do math by dealing drugs. I did. And acumen, how to deal with people and how to talk to people and how to make deals. And how stuff old were like you that. when you st- I, I don't think I, 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 think if I knew dr- that you dealt drugs. Oh, yeah. How old were you when you started? Probably oh, 11, 10, 11, 12. Wow. Yeah. How old were you when you started doing drugs? Nine. I started smoking pot at nine. I started drinking at eight. Smoking cigarettes, 10. Acid at 11. Shooting up at 13. But I didn't get serious about it until I was about 16, 17. Wow. Yeah. Who were you with the first time you shot up? <sighs> the first time I shot up, I was with friends of my brother. That uh, my, da- my brother had already died of an overdose. And I was with friends of my brother, and I wanted them to shoot me up. And um, Why? They did, because... You know, a lot of people go the other way. I was an athlete, and I was, like, doing well in school. I was doing all this stuff. When he died, I started, I think, wanting to be like him. It makes and sense. I didn't really have a, 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 a big role, male role model in my life. I had him. I had my brother-in-law who was an alcoholic and abusive, but he'd have these moments of clarity, and he was pretty wonderful. But supposedly, he started my brother shooting up dope. Wow. Yeah. I found that out later. And he had a lot of guilt and shame of that later in life. He died pretty young in his early 40s from being an alcoholic. Like his dad and like his dad before him. You know, it was just, yeah, I mean, I didn't have the best, you know, for some reason, man, the people in my family didn't make good choices early on. Um, All my sisters have been married once, but stuck with their second husbands pretty well and are pretty happy, I guess. I don't talk to them. They're very, very ultra conservative and really yeah and to to the point of being nasty i don't care how people are be who you are but what uh, how do you mean nasty um i started getting when obama was running for president and it's pretty obvious that i'm i'm a liberal and i'm pretty proud of it and uh plus i grew up in a black neighborhood i was dating black girls when i was younger and have ever you know depending i don't care mm-hmm. what your nationality is beauty is beauty Humor and intelligence is great. That's all I care about. You're either, you know what I mean? You find someone attractive, someone yeah. attractive where you don't. It's like a Benetton ad. 
Absolutely. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> without the clothes. Can we do it without yeah, the clothes? Because like I hated those Benetton fucking ad. clothes. Yeah. Or how about a Benetton ad? Uh, let's say Levi ad because they're okay. kind of going there now too. Sure. Or a Target ad. Yeah. Or with black people who don't even look black. Even <laughs> black people I know are like those people have never been around black people. Ever. <laughs> right. Uh, but um, what were you talking about? I, got oh, I was asking in, in what way are your siblings nasty? Um, and you said that- they sent me like these very racist Obama cartoons. I've seen shit like that on Facebook. I hate that. Yeah. And I'm just like, are you out of your fucking mind? Don't ever send me this before again. I played nice with them. They were really shitty to me growing up. And until I became are they older or younger, older, I'm the baby. And they were really shitty to me until I became famous and popular and, you know, had some money and, I wanted that feeling of family, even though I felt like, wow, where were you when I was in rehab? No one was there for me, but my mom. My mom was there. And um, I don't know. You know, it's just like I, I, my mom, when she was still alive, but she was dying, um, asked me to be nice to them and to be inclusive of them. And I said, for you, mom, I will. And... She goes, what about after I'm dead? And I'm like, I can't make any promises. I'll do my best. You know, but I'm not going to lie to you. I don't want you. I don't want to lie to you. And she's like, okay, I'll do your best. And about, you know, she died in 06. So when the Obama campaign happened in 08 and that shit went down, I was just like, I'm done. I'm done. I, you know, my eldest sister, I like a lot. And have a relationship with her and if they the other ones come around great i'm just not going to make it it's not a it's not a point of of order it's not a priority for me i feel like it's unfair of dying parents to make these requests it is unfair it is unfair but you're a parent you can be unfair yeah it doesn't mean you gotta well it is one of the perks (laughs) but think of all the shit that they put up with with you i mean especially with me i was I was a handful, you know. I was a pain in the ass child. I've got a little girl now that is a lot of work. My youngest is a lot of work, but I love her fiercely, fiercely. But yeah, there's times when my, me and my wife are like, "Okay, it's your turn. I need I need 15 minutes." Okay, <laughs> cool. All right, and you know, you do it and you tag. It's your turn, and. uh but I was a lot like that. Unfortunately, when your children start acting like your worst aspects, mm-hmm. um, welcome. Be careful what you ask for. You know. So, so are you talking about? Is she headstrong? Or? She's very headstrong. She's very ADD, just like I was, um, but in a good way. You know, I think in a good way. She's very loud and she's very drama club and everything this and everything <laughs> and it's like god chill out <laughs> and i was just like that as a kid i was just like that you know i mean i was a natural actor mm-hmm. um and everyone was always trying to get me to be in acting and take lessons from these method people and i'm just all this great stuff and i'm just like screw that i want to play in a fucking rock band man i want to I want to do drugs and get laid. Who knew? <laughs> Could have done it being an actor. But I really, all joking aside, I just wanted to play rock and roll. But she, 
Arizona. Arizona is like, seriously, like a light for me in life. She's a fire. She's just, um, when babies are born, have you ever been in a room? I never have. Okay. Um, but you've seen it on TV and stuff and movies. They take the baby out, and even while the umbilical cord's still connected, they put it on the mother's baby, and you have that quiet, really bonding moment. You know, it's really nice. Well, they did that with my baby. <laughs> put her on her mama's belly. She pushes herself up into cobra pose, right? Which technically, physically, they're not supposed to be able to do. Right. I saw it. I've told Drew this. He's like, ah, oh, no, that's not possible. I go, Fuck you. It's, I saw it. She pushed herself up all the way up, put her head in the air and screamed just like, <laughs> the nurse at the time like went, oh my God, I've never seen anything like that. And I'm like, that'd be my baby. <laughs> who's, who's the baby is that? This guy. That's me. I'm just like, I looked at my wife and she's like, God. I And I kept expecting my wife just to like, drive away never come back because <laughs> she was colicky she was a college she was trouble man she was hard mm-hmm. she didn't like sleep through the night till she was about five months old was it a hard pregnancy it was a little bit for her because well she uh you know she had morning sickness and then it kept going and going usually it lasts like you know second and third month and then it's over and it was going into her fourth and fifth month. And finally, the assistant, the knucklehead assistant at, at her OBGYN tells her, oh, you, you know, you're because you're, she was complaining about feeling sick. And she goes, well, did you ever take the iron pills? What iron pills? Oh, yeah, you're, you're anemic, st- extremely anemic, and you need to be on iron pills. When you tell me that? Oh, I'm sure I did. No, you never told either of us. Oh, and yeah. I went to every meeting with her. Right? You never mentioned that once. Well, I'm sure I sent it in the email. Nope. Here's the email. <laughs> I had my computer. Boom. Here it is. Anyway, she got on the iron pills and like within like a week, she felt better. Good. And my baby wouldn't eat and she was breastfeeding and my wife wanted to breastfeed for a year and she got about five and a half months in and then the baby wasn't sleeping and, you know, finally she just... You know, we, we, I was out one night and she was, we we're in Boston and her sister comes over and her sister's like, screw this, goes across the street to, to Walgreens, gets some formula and a bottle, comes back, gives the baby two bottles of formula, sleeps for 10 hours. <laughs> she just wasn't getting, getting what she needed. Right. You know, but she got, she got almost six months of, of breastfeeding, so she was doing pretty good. That, Speaking these? of wholesome, nutritious meals. Oh, oh. Are we going <laughs> to segue? Yes, we are. For just a second. Are you familiar with Blue Apron? No. Actually, you were talking about Have you actually used them? I have used Blue Apron. Blue Apron is amazing. So what they do is they send you all the ingredients you need, and it's all perfectly measured out to make a meal at home. And it's super easy to make because they also include a recipe card with all these pictures. Do you cook? Uh, all the time. Me and my wife cook together. And she didn't cook when I met her, and and I I've always cooked. I'm Greek. It's part in the family. You have to. Yeah, but she she has become the master. She's well, a master. But we sounds love like to cook. you guys are pretty high skill level. But even if you aren't, 
Blue Apron. We can still make it perfect. delicious. That's right. Tasting. It's perfect for you because it's totally idiot proof. Because the <laughs> well, I say that because I look at at the. It's like I well both Daniel and I. That's my husband. We've both made Blue Apron meals, and uh, we're not the best cooks in the world. But they came out really well because they make it so simple. Because it's all broken down by picture, and everything's measured out. And it's healthy, good. And food. it's yeah, it's healthy. It's like the meals are about five hundred to seven hundred calories per serving, which is way too delicious for how they are. And it's just nine ninety nine per meal. They send everything in the exact right proportions right to your door. Uh, and here are just a few of the delicious things that you can make. <laughs> Pan-seared chicken thighs, mm. salmon burgers and corn on the cob with basil butter, Ooh. Asian chicken lettuce wraps with forbidden rice. Oh. The rice is forbidden. It's forbidden. That's how good, good it is. It's got to be good. <laughs> right. Cooking takes about half an hour. Shipping is always free. So you guys can cook incredible meals and be blown away by the quality and freshness. Impress your friends or just impress your own mouth. <laughs> I did say that. And the stress of cooking right now. Go to blueapron.com slash Allison and get your first two meals free. That's right, two meals free just by going to blueapron.com slash Allison. Okay. So, Art, something I wanted to ask you from what we were talking about earlier. You okay. were saying that your, your, uh, a thing that came up for you when you were writing about other bands was you didn't really want to be paying attention that way to other bands. You wanted to be the one receiving the attention let me ask my question it's when you were doing a and r how did you feel because here you were you know giving chances to other bands well i was older and i but by the time i well, I was doing a and r before fame and before before being really successful um no i was just a fan of music and i was a fan of talent even to this day if, if i meet someone who's talented i try to figure out where their talents would be best best used you know, and I'm not just talking about artistically talent. I'm talking business talent, or, or just, I mean, the other night we were in San Francisco, and I don't drink, but we were in this bar, and this 25 year old kid was just killing it, making great drinks, and he was sweet and funny and just, just a badass. And he's like, oh, "Can I get you something to drink?" I go, "Do you got a non-alcoholic beer?" He goes, "Yeah, but you want something good? I'm, let me make you something." He made this thing that was like citrusy and icy and had muddled this and that and the, it was delicious everyone said it was delicious the main thing is just like a talented person can do anything they want if they've got that ethic and they've got that fire in their belly and they got that drive so that's always been my buzz is finding that um for many many years so as an a and person it was more like that you got to remember when i when i was writing um or not writing because I still write, but when I was doing the journalism thing, I um, I was like 23 years old. Mm. That was almost 30 years ago. So I've grown up a lot since then. And uh, you're still figuring out what the hell you want to do. Who knows what they want to do? I'm one of the few people, I knew what I wanted to do, but I was told constantly I couldn't do that. And then when I got clean and sober, when I got clean in 84, I started, I just... Put all that, all that anxiety and pain and everything into my music, and uh, started working towards. You know, I got signed by the time I was. It took me about ten years. Mm -hmm. I got signed when I was thirty-two. How did you feel about it taking ten years? If someone had told me it was going to take ten years, I might not have done it. But it's like now, it's like when you go to make a record making a whole album I produce and sing and write all the songs and I'm there for every track and we're talking like you know there's probably 
60, 70 tracks on each song, and there's probably 14, 15 songs that you record. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of attention. And for someone who has attention deficit disorder, <laughs> it's a lot of work. But I learned even then just to focus on what, what's in front of me. This song, this bass part, this guitar part, this vocal, this, that. Oh, and then it just starts building itself. Because if you look at the whole sum of it, the whole 10 years, nah, I probably would have done something else. (laughs) So I actually interviewed you a long, long time ago. Oh, dear. For Rolling Stone. And I think that you lost patience with me um, on the phone. So it was... I don't know if you'll remember this or not. I almost hesitate to bring it up, wow. but I'm going to bring it up anyway. When was this? It it would have been, let's see, I, it probably would have been like 1998 or 99, 97, 98, 99, no, 98 or 99. It was a Rolling Stone in the studio. Were you working on a solo album that ended up coming out as an Everclear album yes, instead? Yes. Exactly. So it was for that because it never ran because the project changed. Right. But I came to the studio and I watched you guys. And I think there was an orchestra or parts of an orchestra oh, there. Oh, uh, you mean at the Capitol Studios yeah. down in the basement? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that day. It was really cool. And then we had a follow-up interview on the phone. You were on an airplane. And the questions I was asking... Was I actually talking on the phone, yes, on the airplane? on the plane when phone. Like, <laughs> when it was like $800 a minute? Yes, it was one of those that I think you, uh, you that's like stuck in the seat in front of you. Yeah, with the credit card? Right. Yeah, wow, you don't see those anymore. No, I think it was that. And I think you felt like... I just remember whatever question it was, you're like, I've already answered this. But not with me. It was probably with another Rolling Stone thing. And I was like, but this is it's in the studio. I have to ask these certain questions. What did you ask me? I don't remember. This I don't. This part I don't remember. I just remember feeling bad and being like, "Wait, no," because I well, think, yeah. I'm sorry. You That's know, okay. I, I, I just get frustrated because I mean, there's people who are like, to this day, will do an interview and go, "So how'd you get the name?" I'm like, "Are you serious?" <laughs> no, go do your homework. There's you, you. You can do do your due diligence. If I was going to interview you, I would do my due diligence. You're asking me questions based on stuff you've read online, probably some on Wikipedia, which is not necessarily always true. Right. But you've asked good questions. You've done your work. I get frustrated when it seems like I'm trying to do, I'm supposed to do their work for them. Right. That makes sense, especially and, if you're doing tons of interviews. And as, so how'd you, how'd you meet your wife? You know, that kind of stuff is bordering on, that's probably online, you know, because I've been asked that maybe a hundred times. So, uh, and but at the same time, there's some questions that I'm just not going to go there. And I think I was watching Chris Rock or some comedian just goes, sometimes you're going to ask me a stupid question. I'm going to tell you you're stupid. <laughs> That's a stupid question. And, you know, and I've learned how to not say that, you know, um, maybe and change the dialogue or maybe just throw it back to them. And but there's times when I've been irritated about other things and I've been kind of a dick so I apologize if oh, that was that time. Thank you. Um I don't know. I think from where I was sitting at the time, I think it like I said my feeling about it was that you had probably done a fair a number of stories with Rolling Stone and you're, so you're like I've already told Rolling Stone this. I said that? What was it about? It was about 
the process of making the album. Oh. That's what that's what the story was. They had a column called In the Studio, which is where you spent time with the person in the studio and then wrote that. specifically about it. So whatever I was asking was something related to the the recording of it, but I think you're just like I've I I don't, Was it about the other guys not being in the band or something or it, not? It could not have been. I, I wish I could remember. I, I don't remember the exact moment that you're that you were unhappy with, but anyway. But I feel we've moved past it, and it's all great. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have to bring it up. I didn't remember it. I, I know. I just, I just was. You needed to work it out. I need a little, <laughs> I need a little closure and a little healing. A little closure. Okay. <laughs> well, no, I just it was something that had stood out to me. So, um, all right, let's do just me or everyone. This Kay. is where people write in. But for the record, I wasn't a dick to you in the studio, was I? No, not at all. I- you were super cool. You were very nice. I was singing. Do you remember me singing in the booth where Frank Sinatra sang? Yes. That was a big deal. I thought that was pretty cool. Plus, he did a lot of other things in that booth, <laughs> which I didn't do, but pretty cool. Anyway, the next the next part of the show. Oh is- yes, this is just me or everyone, where people write in with things they think or do, and they wonder if it is just them or everyone, and then we say whether we also do these things. Okay. Okay. So sometimes I ponder on some. All right. So the first one, now this is specifically a question for the Thursday crew, which is I do this show on Mondays and Thursdays and Thursdays there's a few more people, but we can do it. We'll just do it on the Monday show. Wondering how the Thursday crew approaches eating baked potatoes, reapply butter halfway through, eat the peel. So she's wanting to know the process. No, No, you're, you're, you're spinning your wheels on the baked potato. What you do is you open the hot baked potato, you put your butter, maybe a little sour cream, not too much sour cream, but a little butter, sour cream, salt and pepper, and you mix it up inside the potato skin. You get it all mixed up all the way down, get everything there, and then you enjoy your delicious baked potato. And do you eat the peel? Uh, Sometimes I will. Sometimes I will. Yeah, if it's not all dried and crusty and burnt. Yes. But if if it looks delicious... Yeah, well, as we know, all the nutrients are there. How about you? How, how do you do it? Um, it's been a long time since I've had a baked potato, but I think I think I would do your method, but only like the top layer, and then oh. I would. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Maybe I just don't have follow through with my potato, <laughs> <laughs> and then I'd get to the point where it's just potato that no longer has any seasoning on it, and then I would lose interest, and then I'd probably eat part of the peel, and then I'd be like, "This tastes like plastic." Then I'd be done with it, Gary. I agree with everything Art said, especially the sour cream being a slippery slope. You gotta little you gotta, bit, gotta right? Take it easy. You little take bit. It easy. Little it's like bit. sriracha on something. Absolutely, it, always delicious. Not too much. But I agree. You open it up, you mix it all up, and then I, I sometimes will close it back up and let it all. And eat your ah, steak a little bit, right? Yeah, absolutely. For you go sure. back to your steak for sure. And then, and then, yes. So yes. if it's a baked potato, I'm totally with Art, and I usually will eat the skin, assuming it's been cooked right, because right. then it's then the skin's delicious. But if it's dry and burnt, yeah. you don't want that. Yeah. But I've recently. Well, in the last five years, become very fond of the twice baked potato, and that's oh, yeah. that's superseded the baked potato in my world. I'll do that with cheese sometimes. Yeah, sure. yeah, mix with butter and cheese, stick it back in there. That's well, see, that's the whole thing is when I get a baked potato, I want it all. I want the oh, bacon, yeah. I want the cheddar cheese, I want the, I want it all, right? Sure. And I'll mix it up in there, and then, it, like he said, you close it back up, and it cooks. Mm-hmm. You, know, you push used- it up against your, yeah. your vegetables, right? Kind of mm-hmm. turn it on its side, yeah. let it cook a little bit and get all mushy and stuff, and then 
delicious. Oh, I'm hungry. Remember yeah. when I'm they hungry used too. to bake potato bars? <laughs> I feel like yeah. it's been a... That was the thing for know, like... Was it in college ten minutes. that I saw ten minutes, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was about 25 minutes at yeah. most. But I think, yeah, it was probably... Well, it was probably I, a little after you got I think the South Park diet kind of killed that. I think yes. Atkins, Dr. Right. Atkins and the South Park diet. I mean, it's just like now to eat potatoes, I got to really want that potato to eat it. Because it's just like, I don't know. Yeah, you, you can't know, feel good about it. Uh, I'm just like, I'm like that about anything. If I don't really, really want it, I'm not. And I ask myself this all the time: Do I really want it? If I really want it, I'm going to eat it. If it's sugar or, or 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 fattening or something, if I'm really enjoying it, yeah. And I might might have a smaller portion, like. Baked potato. Me and my wife will split a baked potato. We'll put the same things in it that we, you know, that you know, if it's mine, we're going to do it my way. <laughs> and you get half of it, you know. But I, uh, I don't know, you know. Um, the baked potato has also been getting steadily and steadily more ridiculous at a restaurant. Like you need four to six people to finish a single. <laughs> I know. I'm not even kidding. Right? Like me and my parents ordered a baked potato. There were three was it of this us. big? There were three of us. It was about this big, and then the plate that it came on was about this big because it had all the. <laughs> accoutrement and different little cups on the side <laughs> the three of us couldn't eat two-thirds of it it was the only side we got yeah i remember the whole remember the whole potato skins thing that was really yes that, that was, was like that deal. wasn't the nachos of yesteryear well yeah, i was never a huge fan well no, said well said you. yeah i think that's yeah i'm just i feel like after a couple bites you're like oh it, it's just so rich <clears throat> right yeah. to the bottom yeah no no I, i'd rather have nachos yeah. Joanne says, when driving with my dog in the car, momentarily I think that I can take the carpool lane, then remember he doesn't count as a person. I think I have had that thought. <laughs> no, I don't. You know what? No, no. I have the other one, which is I'll have a person in my car and I'll forget that I can take the carpool lane because I'm so used to not having another okay. person in my car. Yeah. Do you have children? No. Okay. Anybody, nobody has children nope. but me? Okay. So, my wife... Well, driving the carpool lane when she has my daughter in the back seat is that okay? I think absolutely, so. but she'll get pulled over for it. But is, are you talking about like in a car seat or like in a car seat? Yeah, she may get pulled over for it. I remember when I was a kid. Will, I was, will I, they walk away? Yeah, I was sleeping. I was sleeping in my mom's car in the front seat, and I had the seat reclined. And she woke me up, and she was like, "I need you to put your seat up." And I did. And immediately after it, this cop like went around us and just like sped by. He was right on her ass, like. Basically giving her the signal, like, if you have somebody else in your car, like, show them. And Okay. So that's fair. That's yeah. fair. I mean, assuming she's not doing anything else wrong, she's going to get pulled over oh, and no. immediately let go. He's that, not even – he's going to walk up, look in the back window and be like, I'm sorry, man. did not day. know that. He's a wealth of – just a fountain of information. I mean, I hope he's right, but yeah. Oh, no. Well, I don't know. No, you know what? <laughs> he's saying it with authority. I'm buying it. I'm yeah. in. <laughs> and, you know, there's, there's times when especially – I live out in Pasadena, man. You're coming out the 134, the 210, 134. Sure. You got to have that. You need that. Well, there, there's times when I'll go – I know I'm going to the west side, but I'll go that way just because – when you go on the west side, you're on the 110, which is a hard freeway to drive on, and then you get on the 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 10, and there's no there's no lane, there's no you know there's no passing lane, there's no speed lane, diamond lane, or whatever you want to call it. So I will go that way sometimes. I go out of my way because I'll get there quicker. Yeah, 
I use the Waze app. Do you have that on your phone? I do not. Tell me about this. Ooh, Waze is pretty great. It's the best. It is a GPS that's crowdsourced. Mm-hmm. So it no it the here's when Waze isn't great. When you're just going somewhere that's like twenty minutes away and it wants to get you there in eighteen or nineteen minutes, so it's like turn right, turn left, turn right. But it, it directs you around traffic. It's not I it's, use it all the time and it's only Is that the one that you times. look at it and it shows where it's red? Yes. That's what it does that a lot of apps do that. But this one, when you're using it, you're transmitting data as well as like getting data from them. So they know how fast you're going and what the traffic's light on your like on your street and they use everyone in your area and then combine it all and say, "Okay, this is the fastest route." It can be infuriating if you're in like like mid Wilshire or something, because it will take you. She's right. Like in the craziest zigzags through Taking, the city, having you turn left where you don't want to have yeah, to try like, to turn you know, left. Trying to go straight across Sixth Street from like but a side. Does street. it transmit info even if you're not tapping anything? It transmits like your your the speed that you're going oh. at and stuff. But like you're talking about reporting stuff. Yeah, right? yeah. It still pulls your GPS data and like how fast you're traveling on that road or whatever. Gotcha. Chrissy says, yeah. hate it when you just finish cleaning the kitchen and your kid's spouse, significant other, mess it up immediately after. Uh, my wife can relate to that. You know, but to me, it's just like, look, you know, well, one, she doesn't clean the house all the time. She does keep it very clean if she's listening to this, but <laughs> we have someone that comes in twice a week, right, to do the deep cleaning. And, uh, you know, after she cleans the house, one, my wife's the type of person that will clean the house before the housekeeper gets there so it's not too messy. I'm like, and guys are like, what the fuck is that about? <laughs> Drove That's me what, nuts for 20 years. While I did you home. ever have that? My mom, every fucking Monday, it was like, you have to get out of bed 25 minutes early for school and clean your shit because the lady's coming to clean your shit. Why? That's what I said. My shit, my, my room was never dirty. It was like, well, straighten up the papers. Well, see, I do don't that. touch my papers. How about that? Leave or them alone, them, or straighten them up. I don't care. I'll fuck them up later. Like you're, I, I have no, yeah. I have no launch codes. Like, feel free to straighten up my papers. But I, but do you do? Because you have a clean person, do that? right? Do you- yes, I do. And here's why: like in the bathroom, <laughs> in the bathroom, I'll get all my cosmetics and everything on the counters out of there, <laughs> so that then they can actually clean the counters. It's just like remove for me. It's removing anything that's gonna get prevent them from really cleaning the surfaces. Now I could just have them do it, but I feel like that's just time that they're spending that when, I could do it. Yeah, when I when I was living alone finally and had a cleaning person which I don't anymore, I would I would move anything that I was afraid would get broken, but like I wouldn't go clear like all my like toiletries and stuff all the, off mm-hmm. the counter because they always didn't seem to mind doing it and it would always go back in the wrong order and like the wrong place, but that was fine. Like I'm more than capable of rearranging them when I use them the next yeah. time. You're, yeah. You're, well, you're that type of personality. See, the thing is I've been traveling. I'm like a shark, man. I travel all the time. Can't so, swim backwards? Huh? <laughs> no. I, no, I can't. <laughs> I actually, no. I would probably breathe and die and get my gills and <laughs> And remoras, don't even start with remoras. But I um. Uh, I, I I live in hotels most of the time. So what do I do with a towel? It goes on the floor. <laughs> and then you come home and you do that, and your wife just follows you around. It's like, excuse me, what is this? No, I am not your maid. And I've learned to be better about that. I can't. That 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 the, there was a punk group that had a song called. Talking about moving in with his girlfriend, that the uh, toilet seat was coming down. That's what it was <laughs> called, and that's very cool. And but at the same time, 
I will make those moves and I will, you know, the side of my bed will get kind of cluttered and, you know, my wife will go, can you tighten that up? That's a little cluttered. Okay. I'll, I'll tighten it up and that's cool. But this whole th- cleaning thing, cleaning, doing the dishes before the lady gets there. Oh, that. Oh, well, that's insane. Yeah. That I would never do. That's no, bad. Sure, I, I know a lot of women. So do I. My mother. And well, that are she's like that. very sane, but that's one of her things. Yeah, screw that, man. Can I propose a Just Mirror Everyone for yes. Art, just based on something he just said? I was recently listening to a podcast, and the topic came up of tipping the uh, maid staff in a hotel. Now, as somebody who lives yes, in hotels question. largely, mm-hmm. what's the protocol? Like, for instance, I'm going somewhere with the Adam Carolla show where I will be in a hotel room for one night. I won't fuck it up. I'll use two towels, and I'll leave the bed unmade. What's my protocol there? Um... It depends on the hotel. It usually, you, you you put in the caveat that you didn't fuck it up. <laughs> if if I fucked it up, you know, I'll sometimes I'll leave a five on the bed. If I've left it really fucked up, like I'm rushing to get out and I haven't, I'm shits everywhere, and uh, you know, I opened a a computer in the room and left the box there and stuff. I'll leave a twenty. Okay. You know, I think it it's also depends on how much money you make too. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would I would agree. This person was suggesting now obviously this is a road comic who lives in hotels and, you know, frequents the same hotels over and over again, but he was saying that for a weekend 20 bucks, even if you hadn't done anything like And it, that doesn't seem wildly unreasonable. Then again, I don't have that kind of disposable income, but that I don't want to be I don't want to be stiffing people. I don't, that makes me feel bad. I yeah. I think it depends on the money that you yeah. make. If he's making if he's making money doing stand up and he can afford 20 bucks, yeah. I think a lot of times it's just a, a lot of the I, one. I don't think you need to tip ten percent of whatever you're you're staying in. It's not that. It's not that kind of service. They're getting right. paid a wage, hopefully a living wage, but we all know better than that. But that's that comes down to choices. To me, it's like you pay what you think. You know, like if if I leave the room really nice, I might not leave anything. But if I'm there two or three days or if I'm there – definitely if I'm there over a weekend, which really doesn't happen a lot to me. Right. But if I'm there for a couple of days and it's kind of lived in and you know I've shaved and there's things in the sink and stuff like that, I will um, – I'll leave 20. Yeah. I think that's the most I've ever left. But I do tip concierge. And sure. I, so do know, I if I use them. Absolutely. If they do something for me, I tip them. Yeah. You get me dinner. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll tip you 20 bucks. If if you've done three or four things for me, I'll sometimes tip 100 bucks. Sure. But, you know, I, I I make a decent living. I'm not rich, but, you know, I make a decent living. And yeah. I, I'm big on that because I grew up in a family of people who worked in food service. So it's very important to me. Plus, I worked as a waiter, cook. Um, short, short cook, not, you know, like grill and stuff like right. that, not fancy cook, but mostly, mostly, um, uh, maitre d' and, 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 uh, bartender and stuff with barback, you know, those cats work, man, they work hard. And, um, I, I really respect that. My mom taught me that and taught me that if you tip, even if you got crappy service, but then you complain, but you still tip. Yeah. I've never stepped anybody. One time I was too poor and I could afford the food for my dinner and I told the girl that I was going to come back and tip her and she was very cool. She's like, you don't have to do that. That's cool. And I did. I went back and tipped her like 30, 40%, you know? That's nice. But I, I, 
I've never knowingly stiffed somebody. Yeah, I've never used – I've never tipped in a punitive manner. I just do my standard <laughs> and then if so, it's yeah. really good, then I'll add more. But I've never been like, you know, F you, I'm and that's why you a small that's tip. That's kind of where this comes from is that I don't feel like I've ever stiffed anyone either. But then I was listening to this and I was like, wait, am I flying around the country like inadvertently stiffing the, you know, cleaning staff? Because yeah. I don't – I'm so sensitive about that. Like these people work hard. Like, they do work hard. It's, and, I don't want to be that guy. They need everything they can get. I, yeah. I totally agree. I 100% agree. But at the same time, you know, I think you tip commensurate to what is you're yeah. comfortable with. But – if you're tipping like two, three bucks because you spent there the night, and to me that's just a thank you. Like a lot of times, I'll get a piece of paper and just say thank you, put it on the pillow, put a five on the pillow. To me, if that was me, I would think that was pretty cool because yeah. at least you're getting acknowledged, you're getting respect. And a lot of times, the respect's just as important as the money. Sometimes the money's more important, but mm. you know, maybe both. See, my dad would always. If we stayed in a hotel, he would always find the housekeeping person like the second day and tip or the third day or even the first day and tip them that way instead of leaving the money in the room at the end. So he knew it got to the right person? I don't know if it was that or if it was some weird like paranoid sort of protection like don't steal anything from our room. Look I don't me, know. I'm nice. Here's money. Yeah, I don't know what it was. I, th- I think it was to make sure it got to the right person, but also I don't know. It Preemptive just, strike. Yeah, it doesn't. I it's guess. Not- so it's like this is a new thing as an adult for me to just realize you could just leave the money in the room at the end. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I just didn't really realize that was something that was. I saw my parents do it at the end of like a week or something, but when I went when I go places for a night with the show, I mean, we get there. We we roll into our room at one in the morning and roll out at six in the morning. I don't have. I'm sure Mike August it covers it. Oh, I'm positive you're right. <laughs> okay, WW leader Amy says, "Just mirror everyone. Save a shirt I haven't worn in years during clothing purge. Wear it right away, and it spends another few years in the closet." Well, first yeah. first of all, can I can I just tell Amy uh, go Dodgers? She's got her Dodger symbol there mm-hmm. from her Dodger hat. But um, yeah, that's not me. That's not me. You're um, not a clothing purge guy? Or? Uh, no, I, I clothing purge, but I don't like put on a shirt and like think, yeah, I'm going to keep that. Usually, if I haven't worn it for a while, I get a thing of just like, it's out of here. I kind of do the opposite. Like during my last clothing purge, I threw out probably a third of my wardrobe. <laughs> Shut up. This is my roommate. <laughs> so He's it's like laughing. four shirts? No, this is, <laughs> you should see my closet. It's still fucking ridiculous for a male, but... Um, but the stuff that I like hadn't worn in a few years that I decided to keep immediately went into the rotation, and I started wearing it again. Hadn't worn it in like four years. So you're, you're, all the time. you're like Amy. Well, no, she said good system. For, yeah, she said wear it once and then it goes back into the closet and never gets worn again. Oh, you I, you put it in. I put it back into the front of the rotation. Like okay. I've been rocking an American flag Hurley shirt from like 1999 on a regular basis in the okay. last few weeks. I'll do that sometimes. I'll find stuff because I do do the purse or or it's a cool shirt. You know, I get. I, I've got this one shirt that I love that's a collared um, – what's the brand? It's a cool brand. Massimo. It's a Massimo yeah. shirt from like the 90s and it's a badass shirt. Yeah. My wife gives me so much flack about wearing it. you know. And this is another thing too. You're a single guy? Yeah. Okay. I'm yeah, married. Single-ish. When it was English, oh, he's boy, not married, but he's you, I'm not you're married. Gonna, you're going to get a call later on that one. <laughs> Trust me. 
No, <laughs> yeah, you better say you're sorry. I'm sorry. Not, not single. I'm not single. Okay. Well, you're not married, though. Okay. I am not married, but well, I'm not single. I've learned this thing, and it took me many not years single. to learn it. And other men know it, but lose a battle, win the war. Oh, yeah. Honey, I really like this shirt. I bought this shirt for you. Um, it's purple. Yeah. Isn't it great? Yep. Uh, I'm really not a big fan of purple, but... uh yeah, I really don't like it. Oh, no. Actually, you know what? I really do like it because then she starts smiling, and I know she's going to be nice to me, and I'm going to get laid. And we're going to be happy, and life is going to be good because I wore this fucking shirt, and I will wear it. That is how it works. And I yes. had a friend of mine just go, don't be a dumb shit. Wear the fucking shirt. Oh, there are some pictures of me in some ugly ass fucking shirts, but I have a big smile on my face. But did it get you laid? Sure. Fuck yeah. That's a man. That's how you do that. You, you can smile all you want. You know that no, if your man yeah. wears something that you like, it's off. It, it, yeah. The window opens a little wider. Yeah. Which window? The one. <laughs> All right. Ray Morgan says, although not the best Skittle or Starburst flavor, orange is the best popsicle. Um, I cannot get behind that. I'm no, sorry. I'm sorry. What's your favorite? Are you, are you grape guy? Strawberry. Strawberry. Yeah. Red. Red. How about you? Red. Well, are we talking about popsicle flavor or are we mm-hmm. talking about? Popsicle. Yeah. Yeah, I would, I would. Ooh, you know what? I might go for a. Like a lime or a lemon. See, I like a lemon or an orange. A lemon's, a lemon's can, not bad in summer. You know? yeah, but that's the only thing I like lemon in. I don't like lemon cake. I don't like lemon cookies. It's it's an abomination. It's not supposed to exist in this world. Key lime pie is for people that just live. All right, we need to go to dinner together because we're just totally it's, it's in sync. This is crazy. Well, we're probably going to start dating. Oh, God. <laughs> and I'm totally heterosexual, but uh, whatever. Take one for the team. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't like anything lemony or citrusy that isn't supposed to be that way. That's how you are, Gary? I had no idea you were anti-lemon bar. Um, well, that's as I've said before on this show, that's my mom's favorite Thing oh, right. Is lemon everything sweet? And yeah, issues with shit. your mom, huh? So, yeah, I do. I absolutely <laughs> do. Don't we all? Yeah. So, uh, love her so dearly? Love her dearly. She's a huge part of my life. One of my best friends. So, but, yeah. Um, I, I've eaten enough. I've eaten, I my fill, I've eaten my fill of lemon sweets, I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> I would never order it. But do you like a lemon heads every now and then? Sure, every now and then. Yeah, okay. I mean, but it's, that's, a, that's one of the, uh, the ice cream truck things. It's kind of a nostalgic they, thing for me. There you go, there you go. Remember those smelly markers? Do you know the smelly yeah. markers? Mm-hmm. For sure. Oh, you don't know. Oh, so they look like this highlighter that I'm holding up, but it's all one color. And it smells oh, oh, from when you're a kid. And they smell like they smell like that color. Yes. Well, so the red is cherry. There's orange. Yes. There's lemon. Purple. Grape. Purple. See, but brown is cinnamon, I think. It's cinnamon, cinnamon or chocolate. chocolate. Depending on I thought it was chocolate. Brand. I had a chocolate one for sure. I recall cinnamon or was it root beer? Maybe we had different brands of oh, smelling It might have been root beer. Root and then beer. black no, was licorice. No, the, uh, That's the, true. And that one was disgusting. The lip, the lip stuff, they had root beer. Yeah. The big brown one that was the, the lip gloss yes i remember all the flavored glosses yeah the dr pepper flavor mm-hmm. mm-hmm. all right justin quinn sawyer says opening a bottle of champagne or sparkling wine gives me anxiety but the sound of the cork popping is so satisfying why, yeah why I, does that give you an anxiety because the cork could fly into your eye <laughs> in, in what 
I don't know. It just in, in, in like a, a, a sort of zero gravity <laughs> situation. Square pants situation or what? I mean, how about pointing it away from you and from anybody else and no one gets hurt? Or you learn as a waiter how to and hold towel. it and you don't shoot it in the air like that. I would argue it's harder to shoot it in the air than it is to take it out with your hand and not give any chance of it flying anywhere. I don't know. I've shot it at people. Well, so have I. I know how to do that, but I'm saying when you're uncorking it, it's easier to just pull it out. Well, and just let it go in your hand and you, it doesn't spill that's what would make me anxious to sp- you know if you buy a nice <laughs> bottle of champagne right. and it's spilling everywhere like in the movies that's bullshit i, w- I want to drink that yeah especially me as an alcoholic <laughs> it's just like are you wasting that come here so i can hit you come right here i'll hit you don't waste that Christopher Shank says, Christopher Shank says phrases and names with more than one of annoy me dawn of the planet of the apes uh, LDS Church too. All right, Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. The Church of Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. Right. Um, Phrases and names with more than one of. Oh. I don't love it, but I, I don't think it annoys me really. It's never. I've never noticed it. It doesn't. I have. It's, it's a non-issue. All right. It's just a non-issue. I thought Dawn of the Planet of the Apes was a great movie. I haven't seen it, but I've it heard was it's good. Excellent. Right? That yeah. first one was great. The second one was great. It's awesome. The The CG on it is so good. So good. I, I think that guy should get nominated for... Visual effects. I think he should get nominated for Best Actor. I think Andy Serkis was phenomenal. He was. But he won't. He won't. Brian did not did not like the movie, did he? Yeah, I know. That's how I knew I liked it. <laughs> no, uh, yeah. It's a good movie. I liked it. Brian gave it, I think, like a C plus or a B minus. Brian is... You You met him, Art. He's the guy who does sound on the Adam Carolla show. Yeah. The guy sits there and, um, the beard? and terribly remo- reviews movies. No, he does not have a beard. He's bald. Oh, Are you thinking... Of, you guy. might be thinking of Dawson. No, no, no. That guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah oh, yeah. yeah. I said sound. You're thinking of... Uh, right. I was okay. thinking of the guy Dawson. Dawson. That is the guy with the He's beard. the guy that does what you do for right. Adam's show, right? Yeah, Dawson. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Sunlit Cactus says, at a crosswalk when the light turns green but the stop hand is still on, I get flustered deciding what to do. Yes, I always tend to just do what the hand tells me. Well, you have to because there's the fear of the green arrow. I can't even – I just know that when Daniel and I would walk our dog, he would often cross based on the light. And I'm like, how are you even doing this math? Maybe he was a drug dealer. Maybe. That's how we can do the math. yeah. Because I'm just, I've just so always been surpri- just about the cross, the, I'm the hand. I'm surprised given that you lived in New York for so long. Oh, in New York, you just go. Right. You just do yeah. it based on the well, cars. That's what you do in here. You just go. Just crossing the line. Yeah. I've, really, I find jaywalking scares me around here. It, well, it depends. Around here, there's a problem of actual tickets for jaywalking. I mean, I'm talking about crossing Highland or that's something. That's what I'm saying. If you're crossing like a major thoroughfare, yeah. there's like green arrows involved where the light can turn green, but then there's a car turning towards you that you're not sure of, like. Major thoroughfares is one thing, but if you're on like a sm- small stride street, yeah. I go with the lights. Yeah. Well, she is is she talking about riding, walking, or driving? Oh, um, I think she's talking. I assumed she meant walking. Okay, I was. I thought she assumed she meant driving. I thought she was walking. Okay. If she's at a crosswalk. She's at a stoplight. If she's in her car, she's at a crosswalk. If she's yeah, on her foot. I'm sorry. I'm being sexist, but most of the women I know that drive would be flustered <laughs> by that. And and that's just my experience. That's my journey. Okay. That's yeah. Just no one my can take journey. that away from you. That's I know my you're not thing. Speak- <laughs> you just do you. <laughs> I do. I, I do me. You do you. Yeah. 
All right. I got that in the song, actually. Um, and lastly, the city that breeds says, just mirror everyone, normally hate mispronounced words, but kind of love it when someone says voluptuous. I do, too. I think that's hilarious for some I, reason when someone says voluptuous. It's like, um, it's like onomatopoeia. I mean, it's not really, but it just voluptuous is a more voluptuous pronunciation of voluptuous. It, it puts the rump in voluptuous, <laughs> right? Right. Or that, the lump. The, the ump. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, I get you. Sometimes you need a little ump. That's right. Oh, I got it. Hey, you know, I'm 52. I've had a little lump both ways. I'm not, you know. Sounds like you've had a, your share of ump. I've had a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. You know, and you just become a little philosophical as life goes on. I, I, I don't judge. Good times. Well, Art Alexakis, thank you so much for being on my show. Are we at the end? We are winding oh, down. Yes, I know. I know. It, it has been a journey. Together we've been on this journey. Yeah, we have. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thanks so for having me. Have what, me back. I would love to have you back. Okay. Um, what all is – where, where should people go if they want to – like what – do you want to plug anything is what yeah, I'm driving let me, at? Let me plug away. Um, if you want to talk to me, come to my Twitter at Art Alex Sakis. Um, I'm on Instagram at Art Alex Sakis. So you can come to my uh, Everclear um, Twitter, which is Everclear Band, at Everclear Band, or you can come to uh, at Everclear, um, Everclear, you know, MySpace backslash Everclear. And uh, I've got my own uh, Facebook as well. I don't add a lot of people, especially not women. It's not cool with my wife. Mm-hmm. And that's cool. But um, I um, so but I read everything. I read everything. If you want to send me music, that's cool. Coming up, I got a brand new Everclear record that I'm going to finish. It's going to be out around the first week of March. Um, we just finished our third Summerland tour, and that went great. And we're already putting together the next one. And what else? Got a book deal in, on the horizon. That's exciting. Yeah, I'm writing a book. Wow. Working titles called They Can't Hurt You Unless You Let Them. I love it. Is it a memoir? Yes. Unfortunately. <laughs> and like when approximately I have no that? idea. I hear from the time that you get the deal, you sign the deal, it's about a year before a book comes out. That's pretty much what I've heard. That's so, really cool though. And we'll have you see. are you at the point where you've signed the deal or is that sort of uh, in no, the No, I'm get, I'm just about to like start getting in the mix with it but we it, we we're right on the edge of it it's gonna happen for sure congratulations thank you that is very cool. it's pretty exciting plus actually i'm working on a radio show and um um hopefully we'll do a podcast hint, hint. but maybe i'll have to come work here for six months before i ask you guys for a podcast <laughs> Is that the right thing to That's, do? Um, no, I think I think you can just go right past that and just ask. Just go in yeah, there. Yeah, I don't think you have, I don't think you have to be a news girl. I'll put you in touch. Guy at the place? Yeah, yeah. Okay, the guy from the thing. Yeah. 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 The thing. Cool. I still owe you for that. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. All right. If you're going to buy something on Amazon, perhaps an Everclear album, click through the banner on my website, AllisonRosen.com. It doesn't cost you anything extra. It helps out the show. We have a ringtone available. Hey. Hey. Go fuck yourself. That is from a segment which we didn't, we haven't done it in a while. 
We need to bring been, it back. There's been too much love in the Allison Rosen's I know. Best Friend universe. We need to get rid of that. I haven't even heard this segment. Oh, my God. It, it, wow. it predates you? It's that old? Oh, yeah, wow. Old. It's been a long time since we've told anyone to go fuck themselves. So we'll bring that back soon. Yeah. Anytime you want help with that, let me know. <laughs> I've been doing it since I was eight. I'm is there? I mean, it. is there anyone you want to call out right now? No, nah, I don't want to call out anybody. Um, you know, actually, yeah. Fox News, can I do that? Sure. You know, what are you guys going to figure it out? You're dicks. You suck. Um, stop being entertainment and be a news uh, outlet and, and say the truth. Hey, or at least most of hey, it. Hey, go fuck yourself. Fox News. See, it's cathartic, right? I feel pretty good about it. Yeah, it's great. Uh, And that's why you need this as your ringtone. You do all sorts of things with it, including meet other people who also listen to the show. Because countless people, well, maybe not countless, I can count them, but a lot (laughs) have have written in to say that their ringtone, their phone rang. And then someone else was like, oh, my God, you listen to that show? I listen to that show. And then they were fast friends and they lived happily ever after. And they had animal sex. They had wild, passionate animal sex right in the aisle at Target. I think that's one of the places it happened. So, (laughs) I mean, right in a, where's the best place to have? I'm not even have, a clean freak, but that sounds bad. Where's the best place to have wild animal sex based on my ringtone? Car. In a, in the backseat of a car. <laughs> That's where it happened. You can get the ringtone by searching Hey Go Fuck Yourself on your iPhone in the iTunes store. We have two special bonus episodes available recorded live at the LA Podcast Festival with Doug Benson and Greg Proops and then with Doug Benson and much of the Thursday gang. Those are $1.99 in the comedy album section of the iTunes store. You can follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen. You can follow the show's Twitter feed at A-R-I-Y-M-B-F. You can follow Gary at G. Patrick Smith. Kaylin still does not have an online presence. Is that correct? That is correct. But one day... Mm, maybe. Should we play it? That was Kaylin's Corner. Yeah, it was. That was Kaylin's Corner. Hello. Yay! Did you see the numerous people who tweeted that the last episode should have been called That Was Kaylin's Cornhole? Yes, it was. <laughs> oh, I didn't... I, I thought they Numerous were saying people? Kaylin's How Corner. No, they were saying Kaylin's Cornhole because the whole episode was about their trip Their to Cornhole Ventura. Tournament? Yeah. That's good. It should have been. That would be a good name. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. Art, thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Thank you. All right. I love you guys. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen Show?
This is Corolla Digital. Now that the show's over, don't forget to check out Blue Apron. Blue Apron sends gourmet recipes and all the fresh ingredients you need to make them right to your door. Go to blueapron.com and see what's on the menu this week. To get your first two meals free, make sure you go to blueapron.com slash allison. That's blueapron.com slash allison.